Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked and I am joined by Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And Craig Telfer. Hello there. I hadn't prepared anything because uh, I forgot that I'd been hosting. So uh, I, th- I think we're going to be talking about a few things. Joe, the, Joe the, last, the last time you prepared an introduction, you managed to uh, merge the name of Jackie O's and, and Kitty's. Sometimes I think it's just better if you don't prepare something. <laughs> Sometimes I I just think it's better if I don't speak. Uh, full stop. Something that people might not see, but when we film a view from the terrace, when we do the introductions, and they, they always go through the same format. So it's, it's Craig Fowler and Joel Skid, and then Sean always does the hello, but you always come up for an alternative for, for Fowler, or an alternative for Joel, and you've got a word that links in there. And I come up with about eight or nine of them every week to try and push the envelope and, and, and see what we can get away. And my favourite one, so I went to Fowler, so was, and my name's Craig Telfer, and tonight I am joined by Political Correctness Gone Mad, pointed at Fowler, then pointed at Joel, Corrector Spinal Surgery, and Sean McGuigan. <laughs> and we didn't go with that one. I thought that was very, very funny. But that's, listen, that's... I think what the listeners also need to know, that is, uh, uh, in terms of shoots, that's probably the longest, uh, the longest section. Uh, the, the takes just because there are so many different takes. See, see, like, when, you, see, when you say push the envelope, what you normally do is set fire the envelope. <laughs> There's not a lot of pushing involved. So yes, you will have eight different introductions, but quite clearly, seven of them will never ever be usable. Was the one I'm sure it was that I said, and tonight I'm joined by Kiss from a Rose, Fred and Rose, and Sean McGuigan. Did that one get used? Did that one get? I can't remember if that one got used or not. Probably. <laughs> It probably didn't await. We're not at the stage yet. I don't think society's at the stage yet where we can openly talk about Fred and Rose West. Not yet. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. 2026. 
What year? What year was it? Oh, it was something eighties. Mm. No, no. What, what? When they were caught? Yeah, it was the nineties. No, it was nineties. I remember uh, Cromwell 90s. Street being demolished. I remember that in the news. Um, so it must have been the nineties. They were caught. I actually did quite a bit of reading up in the, the West. I've said that um a podcast when I when I jokingly compared Sean and I to the West, read up about them and realized, oh Jings, that's uh, of all the of all the celebrity couples, they're the ones you least want to be compared to. Maybe John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, maybe, you know, that's uh, not Fred and Rose. So <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where do you go from that? Uh, I think probably the best thing to go to is the champion, sorry, the Premiership. The Premiership playoff final, second leg. We have just finished watching. Kilmarnock 1, Dundee 2. Aggregate scored, Dundee 4, Kilmarnock 2, which means Kelly are relegated to the Championship and Dundee are, are, are promoted. Uh, Dundee side who were actually tipped for relegation by a certain Mr. McGuigan earlier on in the season. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let, let's clarify this. I said, if they continued to not win any games, I think they'd won one game in seven. Then if they continued in that vein of form, then there's no reason to believe that they couldn't go the way of Patrick Thistle and Falkirk. However, they didn't continue in that vein of form. And I think that Jason Paik, I think he identified the weaknesses in his team, which were, which were glaring, as we talked about at the time. And he he signed very well in the January transfer window. He gave he he kind of signed a a, a spite in the team that, that that they were badly needing. And I think over the last third of the season, and certainly the last few games going into the playoffs, and right across the playoffs, uh, they, they've performed very very well. How much of that is down to McPeak? I, I don't know. How much of it is down to the the players he brought in? Maybe more so. I, I, I think. I think as much as well as Dundee have, have done this season in terms of getting promoted, uh, which I don't know if a lot of Dundee fans thought they would manage this season. And I, I don't know how many Dundee fans are are still sold on McPake as, as a manager. And I think it'll be I think it'll be really interesting to see how how Dundee got on in, in, in the Premiership this season. Uh, in the Premiership next season, sorry. I think I think McPake has to take a lot of credit across these two games. So obviously, we'll get on to talk about Kelly and uh, just how shit they were. But with uh, with the team he put out, like for example, uh, tonight's match, he left Jason Cummins on the bench after Danny Mullins' excellent performance in in the first leg. And watching Dundee in the first half, especially, I was so impressed with them. Again, you have to caveat with how poor Kelly were, but I thought a lot of uh, the, the reason why Kelly were so bad because Dundee played played so well. They looked they looked really balanced, and uh, I think Gary popped in the chat. It's like you're watching a Dundee team, which is really competent, and I think that was just a, a major surprise to him. You just look at the way the especially they got at Kelly in the uh, in the first 20 minutes where they just pressed really like um, McGee and Adam were pressing right high up the park. you got Burns sitting in there who was just snapping the challenges. And you compare, you go into the match and you think, yeah, it's a match for survival. A match for survival is impossible not to get up for it. But Dundee compared to Kelly were massively up for it. But also they were really well organised. Seen it with the, the front uh, front three. Um, you had... Um, McMullen stretching the game and then McGowan coming in from the left-hand side, which allowed Marshall, who I thought was absolutely fantastic in the first half, to get up and uh, overload Kelly constantly. And it, it did seem it's so many times when they were knocking it about as if Dundee had about 15 men and Kelly had about four. 
I think that's that's a very. I think a lot of the stuff you've said there, Joel, is very a, a very astute observation. I I broadly agree with everything. The the point you've made there about the the feeling as though that it felt as though the number of times they were overloading. We'll come on and talk about the goal shortly. But the number of the overloads that they got, particularly down that left flank with, with Marshall, who who was was very good, was really really impressive. They looked fitter than Kilmarnock. It's something as well. Mm-hmm. That, that just that their ability to, the, you know, to be when they were defending very, very compact uh, with the, the the throwbacks and the wide players dropping deep there, burn very good uh, in front of them. But then when, when they, they pounce, it's almost like an accordion, you know, very, very compact when defending, but then they sprung right open when they're attacking. Mm-hmm. I thought the best player in the part was Danny Mullen. I thought he was absolutely fantastic up front, really, really linked the play well, was, was very, very good at bringing McMullen and McGowan into the game. Uh, I thought he was tremendous uh, for the for, for the first first goal, and not just because he scored it, but the, 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 the set-up play for it as well. And, and to a man, they, they were excellent. And, and having seen Dundee early in the season, I think the first game I already seen them when they were beaten 6-2 by Hart and Midlothian, you know, they, they were an absolute rabble. And I think that, you know, James McPake does have to take a lot of credit because it's a man whose position was under a lot of scrutiny at points early in the season. I'm pretty sure around January time before the transfer window, there, there was real talk that uh, he might he might be moved on elsewhere, and, and you've got to credit him for for being able to turn that around. And it's aye, they, they were excellent tonight. But as you say, Joe, you have to caveat that with the fact that it was an absolutely shocking performance from Kilmarnock. You mentioned it there, the first goal that <laughs> went from the the ridiculous to the the, the, uh, the ridiculous, more ridiculous to somewhat sublime. The <laughs> from Millen, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Ross Millen. Yeah, it was Mellon. Ushering the ball out to, to uh, almost thinking, aha, we've got them now. We've got a long throw. We've, we've got them exactly where we want them. Uh, I'll take it and I'll show them what, what's what. He just launches it into a box. We've got no Kelly playing inside it. And then it's just, it's. I was going to say it's a hoof up the park, but uh, with Charlie Adam, it was actually, it was quite a, a measured hoof. And then they were just all at sea from there. I, I, I still thought it was a hoof. I don't know. <laughs> like, are you suggesting that Charlie Adam knew what he was doing? Did, are you suggesting that Charlie Adam thought to himself, ah, if I launch the <laughs> 60 yards, there's, there's a chance here? No, but he is, he's the one person on the pitch where he got, he's got the technical ability to, even when he's hoofing it, you think, well, that's going to go into a decent area. I like if Kurt Broadfoot was have to put, hook that ball, you know, you're, you're going to think, no, 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 he didn't. He, that was just a hook up the park. I think, yeah, the, the way it was controlled, though, I think that's where where uh, Mullen did, did real. I'm sure, sure it was him that won the initial ball. But then at that point, you need to remind me what happened. How, because it seemed to happen in a blink of an eye where it was a punt up the park, then all of a sudden they had a three and two situation. And, and that's a, a massive structural failure in Kilmarnock's part. I think what what you said about the kind of the, the accordion nature of it, just how they were able to just spring so far, so fast up the park and support Mullen, uh, Houndstrop, I thought did quite poorly because I, I mean, he was obviously hesitant because there was more Dundee players than there was, but it, it did seem like he shot out of it a wee bit, rather than just fully commit and um, just basically take the ball no, and a man, and then from there it was I thought it was a lovely, a lovely goal. Really enjoyed McMullen's kind of disguised pass. You know, it looked like Sean actually see the goal very similar to Michael Tidzard's goal yesterday where you've got a guy running at a backtracking defence and sort of plays in this this almost disguised reverse pass into it. But I think that there perhaps might be criticism of Alan Power who didn't 
come out to engage McMullen and stop the pass coming in. I'm not sure if that's the case. It's a three-on-two situation. So, so what do you do if he goes out and engages McMullen? There's the opportunity to play. Sorry, McMullen. If he goes out and engages McMullen, there's probably more of an opportunity for him to. You know, he's, he's that kind of player that can. If you commit, he's very, very good at. If you don't, if it doesn't come off, he's very good at, 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 at making you like an arse. So it was almost like if Mullen didn't score it, McMullen would have done it either. So if, I'm I'm a bit hesitant to go in hard on on Alan Power for that one, but just just shocking how how all of a sudden a punt up the park can lead to a goal. See, yeah, see, see what, see that three on two, and then I think it was Joel that said five minutes ago about the fact that it almost felt like Dundee had fifteen players on the park. See, see watching this Kilmarnock team, like you know you're watching a bad team, and I, I've been there watching bad Wraith Rovers teams in the past, where you're watching a game, and when the opponent has the ball, like nobody seems to be defending. But when you have the ball, nobody seems to be getting forward either. Like it, and like it was just as you say, it was a it, it was a rabble. They they seem to have nobody that they could get forward and and support Kyle Lafferty. But at the same time, nobody who could conceivably keep out Dundee at the other end, at, at least for for the first forty five minutes of this game, and and obviously the first the the the, the, the previous uh, tie as well. And and I. Kelly had a wee bit more possession in, in the second leg in the, the, the second half, but at no point did did Dundee look like they were under any pressure whatsoever. I is that the most is that the most galling aspect of Kelly's performance was the fact that there wasn't any reaction to the first leg? That it's, it's actually got it got worse than the first leg. You know, some the only time that that there was that you know Sean's absolutely right when you talk about that lack of jeopardy because throughout the match, certainly throughout for about the first. What seventy minutes of the of the game? There was no sense of jeopardy. It was only when they got the penalty, when Kilmarnock got the penalty, Lafferty Lafferty scored it to to make it two one on the night four two in aggregate. At that point, there was a period for about five or six minutes after that match where the crowd got behind Kilmarnock. They began to play with a wee bit more urgency. They began to play with a wee bit more tempo. However. That urgency just meant the ball was played out wide to the fullbacks to cross it in quicker. <laughs> that's 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 all it was. And then when you realised that Kilmarnock didn't really couldn't didn't have anything to do or, or didn't have the wherewithal to do anything other than try to work it out to the fullbacks, try to maybe get overlaps, try to get balls in towards Lafferty. When they didn't have that, that that threat just it just dissipated. And it was just so straightforward for, for Dundee to, to defend against. The guys who I was particularly disappointed with, I thought Aaron Tishbola was never really in the match. I thought Alan Powers never really in the match. And yes, you've got to give credit to, to um, Paul McGowan and Sean Byrne for, for having that legs and having that drive and that dynamism. But it's very easy to have that when, when guys are just looking leggy and aren't really like chasing after you or, or, or pressing you or putting you any under duress. So I learned those six minutes after the penalty. Yeah, just for what was at stake there? Such a disappointing performance from Kilmarnock. Pound for pound, pound for pound, it must be one of the worst. No, no, it has to be the worst performance by a Premiership team in, in the playoffs, overtaking Hibs versus Hamilton, I would I would suggest. Partick like, Thistle when they were relegated by Livingston. Remember that? They, they were shit in the second leg there. They were... <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's bad as Kilmarnock over over those two legs. I mean, I mean, I mean tonight. I mean, I, I've rarely seen a team go as direct as Kilmarnock did tonight to 
to, to such little effect. I mean, mm. yeah, they, they tried plenty of wide at points, but they, they were never really delivering balls into the box that, that Lafferty could attack. It was it was Broadfoot trying to deliver diagonals in the vague direction of Lafferty and Chris Burke, and it, and it was never working, and it never really it never really changed. And I know he made the substitution after half an hour, but in terms of in terms of how Kelly attacked Dundee for the next hour. It still didn't really change, and it like it, it just literally didn't work. I've never seen a team really master the ball kind of floated to the back post, and it just drift out of play. It just seemed to be ninety minutes, <laughs> ninety minutes of Kelly doing that, and yeah, it was just it was it was one of those where it was going to be a Dundee mistake because you're like, oh, it's going to be a mistake or a, a world class goal. There's no chance Kilcomarnock were coming up with anything anything different. It was just so predictable and, and, and one-paced and <sighs> you kind of feel for, for right in the situation he's got, but he, he just, he has to be, uh, be culpable for that because they just, they had just absolutely no ideas. Do you think of a uh, kind of Tommy Wright side, uh, certainly St. Johnston, they're always kind of well-organised and everyone seems to know what their their, their job is and I, I don't know if it's just, it's a, I'll just a lack of talent which I'm sure Kelly fans would wholeheartedly agree with. I th- you know something, I think it is a lack of talent. I think when you look at various aspects of their team, if you look at the if you look at the forward four tonight, for example, and then compare it to Dundee's forward four, Dundee's got a far better attacking, far more attacking outlets than, than Kilmarnock do. And I, as much as I still think Chris Burke is a good player, uh, and he's had like a, a decent season, he's got about nine goals or something. But the fact that you are that you are essentially relying on a thirty-seven-year-old to be your main attacking outlet over the course of your season. It's a wee bit of a sad indictment in terms of your, your, your squad building. And, and at the back, defensively, they were poor. And then behind that, if Colin Doyle is your main number one, then yes, something has went badly wrong when it comes to putting a squad together over the course of the season. And ultimately, I mean, I mean, I think I think Tommy Wright is still a good manager. Uh, I would expect Kelly to start next season as favourites as long as they use their, their budget wisely next season and, and I think Tommy Wright if he's still there there's a very good chance that they would lead them up but but this season they've they've thoroughly deserved to go down because of because of that squad it's it, it's inept would, would, would potentially be a, a decent word to sum them up based, okay. based on what I've seen over the, these two games and it was funny they beat so they hammered Kilmarnock not that long ago and then I I had a free Saturday for whatever reason. Wraith maybe played on the Friday night. And so I bought the Kilmarnock uh, Motherwell game on, on the Saturday. And I, I had high hopes that uh, Kilmarnock would beat Motherwell, a team that didn't have very much to play for. And I thought to myself, right, this will be another nail in Ross County and John Hughes's uh, coffin. And Kelly didn't lay a glove on Motherwell that day, a, a team that didn't have anything to play for. And I thought at that point, hmm, Kilmarnock might be in a bit of trouble here. They are, they are not very good at, at all. I didn't realise at that point how bad they were, but I did start to wonder at that Motherwell game whether they had the, the wherewithal to, to get themselves out of it and, and ultimately they don't. They've got, I think it was good you can compare them to the Dundee's front four because certainly in an attacking sense, they've got players who are, I think Craig Anderson's mentioned this, but good at one particular thing. 
So, right, so, the, so Mitch, Mitch Pinnock can can do Mitch Pinnock can do a trick. He can kind of lob it over somebody, or he can nutmeg somebody. But then that's kind of where it that's kind of where it all ends. Not not, uh, not productive. Uh, we, no. we, call, we call him a productive player. You've got um, got Rory McKenzie who, who, who work hard. Um, Chris Burks, uh, Chris Burks, probably the most rounded attacker. Uh, Kyle Lafferty just uh, needs service, but then when you look behind him, he just get he, he gets as you've seen over the two legs and the Hamilton game as well. He got absolutely no service because even the last game of the season they were they were not good and perhaps the not really spoken about it, but the second goal really just summed up their uh, uh, their, their ineptitude with uh, with, with Kirk Broadfoot. It was appealing to the referee, and I thought, oh, okay, let's let's have a look at this on the replay. Nope, it was you fouling your own player. I was just going to say that. So so it's Broadfoot slips and sort of crashes into Tishbola, sends him flying, and that allows Ashcroft the free header to 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 get the second goal. It was there's not much to say. Other than that, it was just a terrible goal to, to concede. And the fact that, that Broadfoot starts appealing to the referee, just, aye, pathetic. Really, really poor. And on top of that, you know, you talk about, about squad bill, you look at the the, the the middle of the park, the the, the two that, that are sort of the, the double pivot, as it were, in that in that system there. And and Craig Anderson, when he and I did a podcast last week about the did the first leg of this game and the the Edinburgh City Dumbarton game, he he actually made a lot of good points about this squad, which I'm going to pass off his moan here. And sort of saying that that guys like like Power um, is sort of coming to the coming to the end where you've got to think about moving him on. Same with Dicker, who's been a great player for Comar. I know he didn't play tonight. You've got to think about moving him on. Tishbola. Craig again made the point that he, it would have probably been more useful if he'd been brought in earlier on. I know Wright didn't seem to fancy him, but then has, has no choice but to play him in a big match like this because because um, Power's out missing. Sorry, because Dicker's out missing. Just I rotten stuff. And just I'm looking up here. We've got an interview with Tommy Wright that's just about to just about to take place with his reaction to the to the relegation. I mean, I wonder, this is probably more of a question for you, Joel, but how, we've talked about how poor a team it is, but does Wright have any culpability for what's happened over there? I mean, he's been in charge. I know, again, Craig Anderson said it took a long time for them to actually finally give uh, Alex Dyer the bullet. You know, at the was at the end of January they, they, they sacked him off when it should yeah. be sort of December, like mid-December, start of January. So they left it too long to do that. But I know you can only, what's the expression, you can piss out the cock you've got. But, I mean, you still got a cock, you can still fuck with it. <laughs> yes, I, I think I think he, um, he, he, he could have pissed and fucked a wee bit better with it. But uh, the... I, I do. I feel. I really do feel for him because yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to uh, look past the fact that he came in at the worst possible time just after the January transfer window. So he couldn't really do much. Obviously, he brought in Lafferty as a as as a free agent, and he spoke about this with, with Fowler on our Top Twelve podcast. And you think if Lafferty hadn't come in, then they would have been really struggling to even just get into the the Premiership playoffs, such as the impact he's he's had. And I do. You look at that squad and trying to analyse what he could have done better, pinpoint what he could have done better. It's really difficult because, like I said, there's so the, the options are so limited. I mean, Colin trust I can call it trusting Colin Doyle over Rogers. I don't agree with that. Even t- tonight, 
just any shot on target with like Mullen. I know it was, it was a decent finish, but some keepers would actually save that just because it was, it was actually quite close to him. I just don't trust him with any sort of shot on target. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, you, you could argue that if, if Kamana could played this season with Jamie McDonald in goals, they, they might actually have avoided eleventh place. And I know that's not, I know that's not Tommy Wright's fault. That's, that's mm. nothing to do with Tommy Wright, but. It, it just feels like inexplicable decision makings at at, at at times when it comes to Kamana Kent and certainly in terms of their their, their squad building and, and who they let go and, and who they retained and and who they've brought in. It's I I mean and I know so I think everybody's out of, I think everybody's out of contract apart from Colin Doyle now. I mean I mean aye, that, that makes things very difficult for whoever the Kamanic manager is, whether it's Tommy Wright or, or somebody else, but then at the same time is there too many players that you would still want to be hanging about Rugby Park based that, on what you've seen this season? That's something that irked me with uh, Ian Crocker's mm, um, yeah. commentary. We he mentioned something about it's like, oh, it's uh, even worse if they if they get relegated with the squad. It's like it, it kind of. Um, I, I just didn't agree with. It. I don't know what what he was getting at because going down, it's going to be it's the same. It's the same whether uh, they stayed up or going down. Tommy Wright is uh, having to completely re- revamp and rebuild that squad. It's just going to be on a on a smaller budget. You talked about it recently on one of the podcasts, Telford, when you talked about uh, Stennis Muir. Like, oh, getting people off the view that getting relegated will allow them to start a game but again that's not the case because you literally just be starting a game in, in the premiership because there's so many yeah. players out of contract I was at the I was at the Hamilton game last game this season and Wright was that took a, quite a keen interest on Wright on this, uh, the sidelines I got the, the impression he wasn't impressed with many of his players at all you know and that, I kind of got the feeling when the camera cut to him on the things that we cut away to him this evening, you know, there's fan, fans get annoyed about the, the body language of their manager. And the fact he seemed to spend most of his time, certainly when they cut to him, spent most, seemed to spend most of his time in his chair. That kind of gives the impression that you're, that, I, I don't know what that means if you're kind, you're kind of fed up and you're kind of just, you're not really cajoling. You're like, they can sort out themselves. They don't need me to do it. Or you're just like, this is fucked. Like the lesson you guys go and sort it out. So I, I don't right. know if that, if that play if that if that means anything or is that just something that as a fan you want to see your manager out there gesticulating and pointing and shouting rather than somebody when the team's not playing well just sitting back and seem to let the game wash over him. I don't know. R- rightly or wrongly, that that would have bothered me if I was a Kilmarnock fan. And I remember, I remember watching, I remember watching Wraith lose at Dunfermline in a, a pretty big game, and, and Muller lost one 0 and and John Hughes just sat in the dugout for for the majority of the game, and it really bugged me that he'd done that. That it, it felt like, it felt like he'd kind of almost like he was raising the white flag. Now that there's there's probably no rationale in that whatsoever, and I, I'm sure that isn't the case for John Hughes on that day or for Tommy Wright tonight, but it it did. As somebody watching that, I kind of felt like at 2-0 down, it, it was like, I, I, the game's up here. Now, the fact of the matter was, <laughs> the game probably was up, but I kind of felt like there might have been something they could do, but whether him shouting or pointing would achieve anything, then, then no, it, it probably wouldn't. Uh, but if I was a Kelly fan, I, I, I might have been expecting something. Out of... Um... Just liked him take a leaf out of Graham Taylor's book when he uh, he said to the assistant referee about his uh, mate costing the job, but doing that instead, but doing it with the players instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, I, I do. I think. I, I think if I was uh, Billy Bowie, I would be looking to, and well, Wright's on the contract, but looking to try and keep him on and allow Wright to build something because, like you said, Sean, that Kilmarnock, if they are savvy enough, they are going to be favourites and a good chance of just coming straight back up. That's not going to be, in, in terms of quality, that wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't be the most quality-ridden championship you've seen in a while. I mean, I will Hamilton be any good next season? I, I don't know. Who does that leave you with? Kilmarnock, Dunfermline, and they <laughs> point to a grand, no chance. And Inverness seem to be incrementally getting worse every season. Wraith Rovers. I mean, I, I mean, if you, if you're literally talking about Wraith Rovers being in the equation for the championship, then yes, Kilmarnock applying their budget wisely should be winning that league next season. 100%. I think you've got to give it to let Wright just do, let him build the squad, let him do it with his with as little interference as possible. He's shown that, how good a manager is at St. Johnson. Just let him do it. That's uh, That sounds like completely ignorant and I've not done any homework, but I just think it, it makes sense if he... Uh, I, th- I can imagine if he's if he's having to put a brand new squad together. How many of this team would would you reckon he w- would want to stick around? Do you imagine Mackenzie just because he's been there a long time would stay? Broadfoot maybe would any other teams in the top flight perhaps come in for him? Is this is this players this players would want to stay or players that right would want to stay? Okay, well, then, then <laughs> it doesn't matter if players want to stay. If players right would want to stay, then I mean Mackenzie works hard. That's that's a good quality to have. <laughs> Um, Chris Burke Lafferty of course Lafferty. but then the problem is like, there's Lafferty. no chance Lafferty would no say chance no. nah, he would, 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 would want him because he's been I mean although he, he didn't do much like tonight or, or, or last week he's a very very good player and I think the fact if, if, he, if he didn't sign him you could imagine they would they could have been automatically relegated you know he gave them such a fighting chance but I, it's like that. Other than that, who who else do we want to keep? Doyle is Doyle under contract, or is that? No, he's 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 on loan from Hearts, so he is. Uh, I think his he's a free agent in the summer, so <laughs> no. And his Cameron is and his Cameron's contract up because imagine if if they're relegated, he, he, I believe so. Well, there you go. There's there's a there's a decent player to to start off with. You know, he had a good season, good certainly uh, th- final third of the season with Allo Athletic. Showed that he can score goals in a team that doesn't really function, doesn't create a lot of chances. He was still able to score goals. You would imagine that he's got the qualities to to step up and play well for, for a team that, that do create chances and, and do want to kick on. And he's a, a hungry young player looking to prove himself in his game. That's probably a good start for them. Imagine that, imagine you're a Kilmarnock fan listening to this podcast and we are suggesting that the player that you could potentially hang your hat on next season is Ennis Cameron, a man who wasn't very good for Air United, but was quite good for Alloa. If that doesn't cheer up Kilmarnock fans, nothing will. Well, I think to to, uh, to cheer up Kilmarnock fans, I would go to Nary's Toboker and just look at all those players out of contract that you'll be able to say good riddance to. I definitely. That's that's one of the if you have a shite season and you do have to start again, then that's one of the good things like building a squad uh, straight from scratch. That 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 can be exciting depending on who you bring in. Providing Tommy Wright doesn't sign a bunch of ringers for BFC Glasgow, I don't think there's any left for him to sign. <laughs> join Steny. but you know what I mean. If he's if he's going to start start scoring, that can be exciting. And I think that when as a fan 
if the team's been relegated and you are rebuilding the squad and you get that, that first drip drip and you get like a, a couple of like players who you know you've seen plenty of times and you know they're good, that's exciting and that gets you up for the for the season. So if Wright's afforded the opportunity to do that, then I'd be I'd be excited for next season. You know, once you football's a, a funny thing, you know, if you get a chance, like you can be raging with how badly the season's gone, you go away for, for like a, about six weeks come back again and you're, you're, you can't wait to get going for, for, for pre-season again. So time is a healer and all that. And I'm sure the fans, uh, like imagine Wright will have players lined up already. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a smart guy. You know, he's a, 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 a forward-thinking manager. He'll have players like, like, like that. We'll probably have guys that have uh, agreed to join Kilmarnock next season. So I imagine that they, they won't be far away from uh, starting to rebuild the team for next year. Uh, may, I think may, I suggest, may I suggest that they don't come up with a hashtag like Roaring Back? That's my only... If I can give them one bit of advice, don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of one for Kilmarnock, but uh, I, think it's only, I think it's only right we, uh, before we move on to the Scottish Cup final, talk about Dundee mm. and look ahead to them moving into the, the Premiership because I think it's an interesting one. You mentioned the man of the match, uh, Danny Mullen. And every time you mention him, I, I, quite, I quite like the look of him every time I see him in, in, in the championship. But at the same time, I'm thinking Darren Huckerby. Yes, I was just about to say that, man. I was just about to say that. I think that, that it's, it's a funny, some, sometimes people don't think there's much much quality between, between the divisions. Particularly the further down you go, folks say, oh, there's no much quality between League One and League Two. And, and there may be for a couple of teams that swap places, but there is. There is a step up in quality. It's all about consistency, the pace of the game, fitness. And I think that the, in Scottish football, there's nowhere more noticeable than that than between the Championship and league a championship in the, in the premiership and there are players who who are really really good at, in the championship and have made the step up in the past and it hasn't worked for them and I think there, there will be a couple of the guys at, at Dundee who that's going to be the case or Paul McMullen to me seems like a top end championship player I'm not sure how good he is at the in the premiership I know he didn't get much of a look in at Dundee before he, he went across the road on loan Paul McGowan Paul McGowan fit enough to get around uh, in the, the Premier League anymore? Sean Burns got the legs. Uh, is that enough? You know, I, I think what he was... Did he go up with Livingston? He won the, he sent them on promotion with him, did he? Yeah, he was He was pretty good in their first season back. Right, okay. The, 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 fair enough, because of course, I remember the, the Terrace podcast made a gif of all his interceptions, which uh, bizarrely he retweeted just a, a couple of weeks ago for, for, for some reason. Um, oh, really? Yeah, nice. I, I saw a follow on the on Telemy's Pelly, so I saw it on Tweet Deck that he, he retweeted it, and it was like 2020. He was like, oh, that's, that's nice, obviously. Looking back at his uh, favourite memories, his favourite interceptions, good to good to look back at, <laughs> at, at moments like that. Uh, Adam is, is obviously going to be the talisman, and, and you know, he's although he's getting older and there's questions about. Can he play in a midfield too? No, I think that we've seen James McPake, the midfield, the 4-3-3 formation designed to get the best out of him. He's too good a player though. You know, he's the sort of guy you build the team around um, to, to to go forward. So I think that, that Dundee, there'll be a lot of surgery required because if we say they did well, I mean, they, they did well in the, the two, in, in the, the, the playoff matches. You know, I think the only time they looked a wee bit Leggy was against Wraith Rovers when they lost 1-0 but that was a tie that was that was in the bag so I do think there will need to be surgery done there um, to, to bring them up to the, the requisite quality 
I think there's there's to me looking uh, kind of judging across the last few games or the last few months, there is individual quality there, and I think a lot of players capable of uh, being part of a squad, but collectively, just as a collective, I just don't think they are uh, going to be a kind of refined Premiership Premiership outfit. There's, but like I said, there's a, there's a lot of players in there that are quite like to see, like to see make the step up to the premiership like Jordan McGee for one I can't believe the transformation in, in him from uh, um, delegated with Falkirk mediocre uh, mediocre defender who was uh, well highly regarded at Tynecastle to this uh, in a box to box driving midfielder which makes absolutely fantastic off the ball runs Um Jordan Marshall's another one. I think Jordan Marshall, yeah, I think he is. Uh, he's certainly alongside Stephen Kingsley was certainly the best life back in the in in, in the championship. So uh, it's interesting to see what what Dundee do and if James McPake can. I mean, you've already seen James McPake uh, as like attracted Adam to Dundee, he likes the Cummings as well. I, and you wonder if Jackie Hamilton's got another season left in him in the in the top flight. That's, <laughs> that's the most exciting aspect of all of this. I, I think what makes it harder is the fact that like the, the teams that's come down. So obviously, Kilmarnock were a poor team. Hamilton were a poor team. The teams that's come up, Hearts, you would imagine, would be better than Dundee next season. So already, it, it feels like the teams that they're up against in terms of staying up next season... <sighs> Like like who like who are they who are they aiming to to, to finish above next season? County, St. Martin, Ross so that, County, uh, are, are Livingston still going to be a top six team next season? Uh, I, I as as Telfer said, I think they need, I think they need a, a lot of reinforcements because even guys like Paul McMullen, who all Dundee fans will regard as one of the the, the kind of key signings that that's got them to to where they are now the amount of times now where he has gained promotion and then played in the Premiership and it feels like he isn't quite good enough to, to, to play at that level. And then maybe, maybe McPeak can get more out of him next season. I, I, I don't know. And, and if that's the case, then absolutely fine because I think there's no reason why somebody who looks so good at Championship level, like can he look at least capable at the Premiership level? So so there is, there's something there. There's, there's a kernel there that you can play with, with, with guys like Paul McMullen. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I, I would expect Dundee to be at, at near the bottom of the table, but but based on what I've seen across the playoff games and the tail end of the championship season, then fair play to them because they're they're, they're a better team, that they're, they're a far better team than they were at the start of the season, but they're even a, a more capable team than I gave them credit for over the final third of this campaign, even when they made those good signings. If only James McPake had managed to get his hands on John Baird, you know, playing for Scotland. <laughs> I, I tell you, one team who, um, who who might be our saving grace in terms of relegation next season uh, is, is Aberdeen. They look like they're going to stink the place up. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this, this, the Stephen Glass stuff, I mean, they were absolutely wretched against Rangers on the final day of the season. Uh, you know, it's all very well having, I know we're kind of going off completely off topic, but it's all very well, like, saying, oh, we want to play possession-based football, you know, we want to, uh, like, play using transitions and stuff like that. That's great, everyone wants to do that, but it's one thing actually doing it and then being able to put that into practice. And I think that uh, we're going to see, like, a Ian Cathro-esque um, sort of stuff there from from Stephen Glass, but he'll be given a lot of time because he's yeah, Dave Cormack's pal. 
He will be. Uh, and, and and speaking of speaking of time and uh, of having a lot of time for the Scottish Cup final, let's move on to that. St Johnson won Hibernian Football Club Club Zero. They have lost again. The they have did done it, it again. Did you enjoy it? Uh, the 90 minutes of utter hell. It was, uh, I've spoken about this. I'll, I'll let you two guys speak because I, I spoke about it on the, on the Patreon. The, the podcast was excellent. The years and Tom's was really good. And that's, I'm surprised that we were, to, we're talking about talking about it. But I suppose it kind of gives a bit of a, a chance to get a couple of uh, like lower league jobbers in to talk about it. But I thought that was an excellent podcast uh, worth, worth subscribing to. Um, Thank you, and and yes, it was it was. Um, you didn't come across that. The point I was going to make though was you actually came across as, as level headed. If I yeah. didn't know that you were a huge JT, mm-hmm. that, that you would never know. You thought you were just like a neutral observer, like you you supported Scotland. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not one of those. Uh, but no, I uh, I thought I would save my save my smugness smugness for now. But uh, no, I, I I really enjoyed in a way enjoyed the game because there was it was ninety minutes of tension. And I've not felt like that watching a game since Heart Celtic in the Scottish Cup final. So it was it was nice to be on on edge for uh, kind of for so long. That's and Joe, that you talk about being on edge because because watching that game, I understand that that you are watching it because you don't want to see Hibernian win. That's it. So I can understand that 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 that, that nervousness. But but watching it as a as a neutral, you know, in terms of tension. I never got the impression that Hibs were, were going to come into that. Never, never got that they were just. It was, it was, it was as bad a cup final performance as as, as I can remember. Particularly that it was incredibly winnable. It's not as if you're going into a game against a, a Rangers and Celtic where you are automatically the underdog. Those were two teams that were quite well matched. It was difficult actually to see which way, way it would go because obviously Hibs finished third place. They are the, the better side out of the two of them. But the fact that, that St. Johnson had beaten them in the, the League Cup, um, in fact, obliterated them actually in the, in the League Cup semi-final and had, had beaten them in, in the league. There's that element out there. But to, to not turn up for, for such an occasion was grossly embarrassing for Hibernian. And I can understand why there's, uh, we can come on and talk about this, but why there's big big question marks about Jack Ross. You know the expression, like, uh, cometh the hour, cometh the man. That applies to Sean Rooney. It does not apply to Jack Ross. That is a complete opposite. I don't know what's it, cometh the, cometh the hour, cometh the flan. That's what it would be for, for Jack <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if that saying will gain traction, but but I see where oh. you're coming from. I, I think, do you know where? Do you know where I, I? And I know this mean. I know this has absolutely nothing to do with anything that was going to take place during the game, but I'll I'll, I'll compare it to something else. So see when Hibs tweeted their team, and they tweeted <laughs> a team line that only had ten players. At that point, I was like, no, that, that's it. You've you've already fucked it. And I know that had nothing to do with how the the game panned out, but. To, to compare it to someone, remember when, remember when Andy Murray won Wimbledon for the first time, and then Alex Salmond brought out a St Andrews cross, and then Lemmy tweeted, "That's it, that's independence fucked." And I know, like, <laughs> like that that had nothing to do with the independence vote, but you were like, "Ah, can you see where you're coming from here?" That is absolutely fucked. <laughs> no, that's but what I felt when when Hibs were tweeting out team lines with just ten players? Well, like, what oh, happened was you fucked us. What happened was that St Johnston levelled it when they put out a team line with two number fours. I know, but that's not as bad. But then, then, then Hibs thought, nah, we, we, need, we, need, we need to fuck it again. And then they, they did that uh, they quote tweet about the uh, Prince um, uh, William and oh. whoever it was that ended up getting deleted. See, what we're talking about is there anything to be said about whoever's running Hibernian's Twitter account? 
it is like it's been done by AI. Like someone who's got a big concept of football and what <laughs> or soccer even and what soccer fans want to see. And the fact that the, the Royals have sent a good message, like that's that's um that's that's can, a great thing. Wow, can you remember that talking about the world team? Let's <laughs> let's talk to the fans about it. It was just it's just everything they seem to do. It's just it kind of puts my, my, my teeth in edge. And I know it wasn't like that under the previous regime. Can you remember that uh, awful Twitter account? Like U.S. soccer guy, or whatever. Oh, it's like, still on the go. Still it's it's, it's kind of like that, but done seriously. <laughs> I, I, see, see what you're saying about Hibs and and St. Johnson, and and I know you're saying that you were that you were on edge and you and you were tense. And I think this is the, uh, and I, I don't want to come across like I'm like I'm being greedy here. But this is the only negative when it comes to not having Celtic or Rangers in a cup final. Now, I, I would love to not have Celtic or Rangers in any cup final from, from here on in. But see when when neither of them are, are there. So, so let's say this was St. Johnson versus Celtic. I would have nailed my colours to the mass when it comes to St. Johnson winning the cup. It doesn't matter how good or how exciting. It, it could have been the worst cup final ever. I would have been delighted if St. Johnson had won it by, by a goal to nil. But when I, I suppose I, I don't have a, a horse in the race, I'm, I'm kind of reliant on the game to be a, a good game for me to get something from it. And I never really got that. And I was never, and I, I can't remember who mentioned it beforehand. Might have been Graham. He said, if St. Johnson scored first here, yeah. it, it's game over. And he was absolutely spot on. And I never really got the feeling that Hibs were ever... Like even before the goal, it didn't feel like Hibs were, were on top. After the goal, it didn't feel like Hibs were going to get back into it. And and I expected St. Johnson to win the Scottish Cup because I think since probably Christmas time, I feel like St. Johnson, I know Hibs have finished third, but it kind of feels like St. Johnson have been the third best team in Scottish football since Callum Davidson took over. And I, it's funny, I don't think, I think Hibs have got three match winners in their team in Nisbet, and uh, Dodge and Boyle. And I don't know if St. Johnson have anybody in their team that has that quality. However, I think when you're reliant on, those th- on these three players, which Hibs are, that if they have an off day, then they have then that, then the team has an off day. But you look at the St. Johnson team and you've got Kane and Witherspoon and Middleton and Rooney and Booth and the three centre-halves. And then even if you look on the substitutes bench, so I, I hadn't looked at the subs bench, but when Hibs started making substitutions, I was thinking, well, there, there must be a forward that they could bring on here. And and I, I know Murphy is a forward-thinking player, but Murphy came on. Uh, who was it that came on the, the the second substitution that came on? Halberg. Halberg came on. And then Lewis Stevenson came on. And then I actually looked at their subs bench, and it was like, actually, they don't really have a plan B here. And, and St. Johnson did. I mean, St. I, I kind of got the impression when I looked at St. Johnson's bench that if they needed, if, if the game hadn't been going so well, St. Johnson had a lot more options coming off the bench than than, than Hibs. And Hibs... It's, 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 sorry, it's funny you mentioned a plan B there because I think a lot of Hibs fans would be thinking, what was our plan A? <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was their plan A? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But, but the, do, you not just think that, do you not just think that they... They come up against a St. Johnson team, or they come up against a team that are very hard 
to play against? Like, how do you, well, how, do you how, how do you break down the St. Johnson? You team? know, but so, so, with the point you're making there, that's like talking about the the match between Dundee and Kilmarnock that we watched tonight, where it's like one team were, were very very good compared to one team that were very very poor. I thought it was the same sort of thing where where St. Johnson were good, but. Hibs were just so bad that they didn't they didn't offer anything and it's it's albeit like you can say that oh how how do you how do you break down a team that are hard to break down but they didn't even they didn't do anything the closest they looked as though was when Martin Boyle towards the end tried to win a penalty you know that was that, that, uh, that was like the closest that's the closest it looked like for them to come to scoring it was very very St Johnson and you can talk about that back three and you can talk about Rooney and Booth at the wing backs and the balance in midfield and talk about how St Johnson are a team that are greater than the sum of their parts and it's all true but you can't there's none you can you can't there, you can't have a conversation about it because Hibernian did not do a single thing to to try and uh, like at least test and put them under a bit of duress it just didn't happen at all it was sad what I'm saying. It was it was it was one of the worst cup final performances I, I think I've seen. I don't like coming into this and being hyperbolic. When you watch these things, you always look to say, well, what, well, try and think of the positives. What did um Hibernian do that, that could be seen as a positive? Matt Macy, you could probably say was, was all right because he saved a penalty. Other than that. Hibs' performance, if I was uh, to compare it to uh, a movie, it'd be the happening. <laughs> I, just I, I, I don't know if it was that bad. I'd, like, I, I don't where just know. nothing happened. Do you remember the bit in the happening where they they're, they're watching a video, a, a video phone of a guy who jumped into a tiger enclosure and got his arms ripped off, and then the woman says, "What kind of terrorists are these?" <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, there's a point in the happening. Where okay, Hips's performance was worse. I, no, no, no. Come on now, come on now. The happening is one of the worst. The worst films. There's a point where they try to outrun the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if hips are that bad. I think that would. Uh, I would compare that to Martin Boyle's dive. But so, so you got to think. I mean, you think that like Kevin Nisbet. There are a couple of times that the, the big games that that he's he's come up a wee bit short for for hips. You know the the guys that you'd be looking to like like Jackson Irvin, the sort of guy to to drive your your midfield forward. I think he was sort of playing on the left hand side of the midfield. I think he was a bit wasted out there, and even when he did get on the ball, he didn't didn't really do much uh, with it. Um, I thought uh, the the fullback is like Doyle. It was a tough afternoon for him. You're going up against um, like like Sean Rooney. Uh, and and then you got to talk about like the the, the goal itself. You've got your your midfield enforcer uh, Alex Gogic. It was like it was like a dog with a stick. You know, you know, when you, you're waving a stick in front of your dog and you pretend to chuck it and the dog sprints <laughs> after it and then it comes up, where's the stick? And you still got it in your hand. It was like that. Like, I mean, you know how how David Wotherspoon plays? Like he's he's got that thing where he where he'll cut into his right foot. He's he's, he's very his right foot is his dominant foot. You don't expect him to hit the, hit the hit the run down the left wing and hit the byline. He's going to bring it back inside. So to commit yourself effectively, take yourself completely out of the match, and allow uh, Wotherspoon to, to swing the ball in there. That was just just really poor, really disappointing. And then you've got Josh Doig. Josh Doig's had a brilliant season, but you're putting him up there against. Like an absolute bruiser at the back post in Sean Rooney. You know exactly what he's going to do. You can see it. Um, they showed replays of the goal. Him just lurking like a big bully. He looks like a bully for Ur Willie. 
you know, just lurking at the edge of the penalty box, you're just waiting for that ball to be hung up. And it was a brilliant goal, but just Hibernian were just it was, it was such a disappointing performance. And you the, can, the, the, you can analyze, other than Macy, because he saved that penalty, you can go through the entire team and pick apart uh, various bits where they, they, did, they didn't play well there. Like, and, and I refuse, I, I refuse to kind of buy into this. And I've, I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter now about, nah, well, but you know something ridiculous about, and I appreciate that maybe the comments about whether Jack Ross is the right man for the job as 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 Hibbs manager is is silly. But what I would say is, see this. Oh well, it's you know the finished third, and it's the most amount of points they've had in the top tier, and it's the most amount of away wins they've had. And who who gives a fuck? Who who? Nobody could care less because the fact of the matter is. They lost last season's Scottish Cup semi-final to Hearts when the competition was there for the take-in. They got absolutely humped by St. Johnson in the semi-finals of the League Cup when the competition was there for the take-in and then lost the Scottish Cup final to St. Johnson when the competition was there for the take-in. So ultimately, you can say, great, we've finished third and we've done this, we've done that. It, it's still hard to, to put this season down as a, as a success. And that, that is the, the, the bottom line, ultimately. I think that's that, that's a very good point because especially I've seen a lot of Hibs fans getting criticised by uh, journalists for thinking that Ross should be under pressure. But you have to remember, like as fans, these are the massive moments you're going to remember is that they are such big occasions that it's, it's hard as, uh, as, as a fan to have that investment to kind of just go, oh, well, at least he did well. At least we had loads like of away wins. Yeah, yeah, we we won we won at Livingston, but you know you, you're you're absolutely right. You, you're up. What, what was the point I was going to make? I was going to make it. I, I it's all very well. You know you can see it. See, it was like if, if you played really well and and you, you really pushed St. Johnson and, and made it difficult for them. Then you can maybe then you can maybe say like hard luck story and so on and and then look at the season as success. But the fact is that they haven't turned up the three biggest games of the season. And they didn't turn up in any of them. You've got to say that's like what's what's wrong there. Is that a mentality thing? Is 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 he is, is Jack Ross able? To, is it Jack Ross's fault? Is it the players the players to, to blame for that? But there, the three biggest games of the season, and you play poorly in all of them. If it was one, you know, to, to play badly in one big game is unfortunate twice, and three times was a pattern there. I don't know. The, the, before we move on to uh, so, uh, kind of finish off in St Johnson, I I just looking at their starting lineup and then their the way they set up with that eleven in terms of like it was like a four four two. We mentioned Irvin on the left. I just I just couldn't really get my my head around it. And it's the now playing against St Johnston. That's it's almost like you just done the tried to do the the same thing over and over again, and it was. Almost it was it was deja vu, and I think we talked about earlier on about uh, Kelly how it was, it was so galling that they got even worse than they did from the the first leg. It's just the fact they've not improved against St Johnston, and mm. it's just not being able to Ross has not been able to come off anything to uh, to answer kind of answer the the, the questions that uh, Saint posed them. It reminded me a wee bit of the Livingston in the Scottish Cup final by playing Irvin out in the left wing. It reminded me of playing Marvin Bartley out in the left wing where. You know, Sean Rooney is a big threat, but as big a threat he is, you know, he's, he's quite, there are limitations to, to mm. the game. 
you know, he's he's a great attacking presence and he's good at good at header and stuff like that, but he's he can be got got on the back foot a wee bit. So I don't know why you would want to completely like set your team up just to nullify him. And then it, it didn't work. You know, there you go, you said it was the same that we saw in the cup the cup final. I mean, did, did, did Ross not learn anything from David Martindale? I I I I, I don't know. But I, I agree with the point there, Joe. I agree with your, your point overall there. In terms of St. Johnston, I asked Tom this on uh, on the Patreon that you go through go through the team. I don't think any when I mean, you look at Hibs, not uh, other than Macy had uh, anyone had an on day. Whereas St. Johnson going through the whole team, even Middleton who missed a penalty and Kane who missed the the chance afterwards, I don't think anyone had had an off day. Where it's kind of a hard question to answer, but where would you rank the achievement of St. Johnson winning a cup double in terms of in terms of Scottish football? It's one of the greatest achievements in Scottish football history. I don't say I don't say that lightly. I think we since 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 we've been watching football, or certainly in my lifetime, there's only been two teams in, in Scotland, and it's Rangers and Celtic. And I always feel that, that any other team that gets a bit of scraps for the table, like a cup, like a cup win, or or or, or the wee bit of progress in Europe, that's a, that's a brilliant thing that should be celebrated. And the the fact that a, a team, a provincial club like St Johnston. Can do can do a cup double in the same season. I think it's a magnificent achievement, absolutely superb. And I don't think you know we could. We even were saying how brilliant a thing it is. I still don't think we'll, we'll actually feel how great it is till like about like like a year down the line, two years down the line. When it see when it goes back to bunny ears normal, and then it's like like say like Celtic next season do do the league do win the league and win the league cup. Rangers win the Scottish Cup. It goes back to normal. It's like. Nobody really remembers that. Folk will remember this like like a long, long time time for now, and it'll be remembered. It's a phenomenal achievement, absolutely ah. phenomenal achievement. I mean, bear in mind how difficult it is for a provincial team to win one cup. I mean, what Celtic won what was it ten trophies in a row, uh, and and this season St Johnson were up against a, a superb Rangers team that they that they knocked out like the Scottish Cup. They're they're running the League Cup. Wasn't easy, not Dungeon United out in the, the, the group stages. They beat Motherwell, they beat Dunfermline, they beat Hibs. Uh, like the run to the final wasn't easy. The run in the Scottish Cup wasn't easy. Uh, I mean, I, I, I as I, as good an achievement as any provincial side has ever done in, in Scottish football, which I is is not something I say lightly, but it very much is is up there. And on top of that as well, you've got, I think, what will go down is one of the all-time greatest Scottish Cup moments, and that is Xander Clark's header at, at Ibrox. <laughs> what, you're just, just, just crazy, absolutely crazy. Well, one of the things, though, I think is important to, to, to say is that there's a lot of debate about who should get manager of the year between Stephen Gerrard and uh, Callum Davidson. And I think there's a lot of people... Uh, have, have said, well, they, they closed the vote in twelve. They should have waited at least until the till the final outcome, so that that presumably, if Davidson have had one, that would be a stronger case for for him to win it. And I, I, I do agree with that. It's, Davidson would be my pick. However, I think it's important to point out that in cup football, there's it's it's all about the, you know the, the expression, the luck of the draw, and it's all about who you avoid as much as who you get. And, and sometimes, and that's not to denigrate what, what it was, but I just think that cups, it's there's a wee bit more luck involved than there is in leagues. Like leagues, you've got to be consistent, and Rangers were excellent this season. You know, uh, like, like throughout the fact they won it by twenty five points, and they they do it by playing tremendous football. They stop on top of that. There's all the the narrative stuff about stopping Celtic from from winning the the, the ten. 
I can see why I think it's a very, very close run thing be- between them. Um, and I, I would have gone for Davidson as well. I think it's a, a better story. However, I can I can see why it's such a tough thing to, to pick between the, the two of them. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's certainly not certainly not cut and dry. I mean, what at the January, St. Johnson were two points off the bottom of the league. I, I mean, I don't know if that just shows you how well uh, turnaround Davidson's, Davidson's done. But yeah, it's uh, very, uh, very, very tight. Uh, quite a close thing it just you you were mentioned about uh, you won't really realise the magnitude of the achievement until like a few years times and I was speaking to a Saints fan today and he he said something interesting which is that I just asked him about the golden period like what's it like living in the golden period of St Johnson and says that he's they're kind of lucky because outside old, uh, well, most clubs in Scotland have had their time in the sun and I was like generations ago Mm. Like whereas the Johnston are literally just uh, this is this is this is this is their peak out of their hundred and twenty odd year history. Aye, and you know something as well. It's with such like a they seem like such a likable bunch of players as well. And I think that the I think this is a point that Tom Watt made on the Patreon. So uh, forgive me if I, if I repeat it, but the two interviews that they did, one with David Wallerspoon and one with, with Sean Rooney, were both brilliant and they were both brilliant for different reasons. Like it meant, you could tell what it meant to David Wallerspoon. Like like he says, uh, what did he say? He said, my, my fucking legs have gone. <laughs> and it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's, brilliant it's, it's so human. And him Relatable. And, and upset about it because it meant so much to him was brilliant. And then you get Sean Rooney who it just says, I'm on the pints all summer. It's just, it's just great. It's just, it's just, what it must be like to be a fan that 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 sheer emotion that you can't that can only be expressed uh, in in tears and then just wanting to get fucking MWI after <laughs> I think that that's a, that's a big thing especially with fans not being able to get to the, the, the ground that the players show that kind of human level and be relatable so you've got kind of that connection I think St. Johnson fans, not only are they having a great success, but they're lucky in that they have got a team that's actually, they can actually like. They've got uh, academy graduates. They have got uh, actual fans, Liam Gordon and David Wallerspoon, who are uh, big St. Johnson fans. They have players who understand the club. And then just like I said, uh, as well as interviews just on social media, that, that I think uh, Sean Rudy's probably still in the pub. Uh, Jason Kerr, Murray Davidson, they were just just constantly just like, yeah, we're, we're going out. And they're really, rather than kind of just like, uh, well, the more professional side of right, let's concentrate on building from here. They're just, just they just well, know that they're living something special and just enjoying it. Enjoy it, you know. And there's all the talk as to oh, like that really that really annoyed me. The, the commentary, I thought the the commentary on the cup final, I I, I didn't enjoy it. I'll be honest. And there's a couple of things. I mean, talking about there's long periods where they they spent talking about whether or not Xander Clark was unfortunate not to have been called up for Scotland. He wasn't. You know, the three goalkeepers there. A better, all better than him. But then there's a bit about like they're talking midway through about whether or not Callum Davidson should leave, and it's like, oh, what, what, what else can he do at St. Johnson? Shut up, just enjoy, enjoy what you're seeing. You, you can think about the future, like, like on the whenever they're back at whenever they if they go have to go into training again if they're back in on Wednesday or, or Tuesday or whenever you know think about what happens then think about like whether or not Ali McCann will be there next season whether or not someday will come in for for Rooney or for for, for Jason Kerr or, or something like that. think about like the, the players that you want to bring in to strengthen the team think about the challenge of Europe that can wait and it just seemed to to take the shine off it a wee bit by discussing these these daft things that are 
that that don't mean anything in the in the moment. That's yeah. something that just uh, just something that, that annoyed me. Trying to try to be try to look too much in the future and and I that just it's kind of spoiled it. There was a strange route to go down in terms of it. It might even have been in the first half. I, I think we started discussing it maybe the start of the second half. So well. Maybe I should leave because because how on earth can he can he build on this well? It was just after the goal. He could he could finish fourth, or he could he could get into the group stages of a European competition, or he could retain a cup. Like like there's loads of things Callum Davidson could could still do. Like to to suggest to suggest that at that point was. Aye, it was, it was a strange thing to... It was a strange conversational route to go down. So, are we going to go on and we'll move on from the Scottish Cup final? Do you want to talk about managers today? I think, you know, someone, I know we've, we've kind of been talking for a long time and it's coming up for 11 o'clock, but I do think it's important. It was sort of almost like the night of the long knives there with four managers departing the, the, their posts. Um, who, I mean, who left? It started off in the morning with Jim Duffy not getting his contract renewed at Dumbarton. Then John Hughes was going to leave Ross County. Then perhaps the most surprising of them all was Barry Ferguson stepping down at Kelty Hearts. He's looking like he's going to get the Aloe Athletic job. And then not long after that, Mickey Mellon is leaving Dundee. United. God, I almost had a Sky Sports there. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mellon is leaving Dundee United. So it was it, it was crazy that the Duffy one. I think that we, Sean, we can go back as far as the podcast you and I did with Fraser Clark. I think that Fraser, you know, obviously gets on quite well. Jim Duffy, he's his, uh, the local reporter there. He was, he as a even as an Barton fan, he he was quite content for Duffy to to move on. It felt as though that he that had all run its course there. I, I mean, and and bear in mind, not only is he a Dumbarton fan. He's a Dumbarton fan that, that presumably has some kind of, at the very least, working relationship with yes. Jim Duffy, and he was still of the opinion that he, he he would have wished them well, but he was of the opinion that he would probably prefer it if Jim Duffy wasn't in charge at the Rock next season. And you can totally understand why. I, th- I think, I think yes, he he kind of came in at, at an awkward time in, in Dumbarton's history. I, I don't think he has a, a particularly good uh, budget to play with, but in terms of how he goes about constructing a squad and in terms of his style of football it, it's not something that's particularly pleasing on the eye and and yes he, he built a strong defence but in terms of going forward the, the, there was nothing in, in that Dumbarton team and in, in terms of them staying up in terms of them retaining their League One status did, did they do that because of Jim Duffy or did they do it in spite of Jim Duffy I, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if you were to speak to Dumbarton fans, a lot of them would perhaps say it was more the latter. And I think I think it's probably a, a, a good time for them to, to to part ways. Jim Duffy could probably keep his head high because he, he, he kept them in League One, and it, it just feels like it feels like. And I think Jim Duffy said this as well. It's probably a, a fresh start for Jim Duffy and a fresh start for for Dumbarton and. And as ever, Dumbarton seem to have off-the-field issues that, that's going to affect them and it'll be interesting to see where they go. But I, I think the way the season ended, Jim Duffy might get a, like might even get a, a, a decent job somewhere else with another part-time team. So, aye, it, it probably feels like a, a, a decent move all round. No, the, there was the sort of just, there was, um, I don't know if I was reading too much into it, but there was something on the podcast with Fraser Clark that he mentioned that uh, for some reason he think he thought that Duffy had uh, gone in half with him. I uh, don't know if it was a wee bit terse in um, interviewing him after, after the game. And then something you mentioned, Sean, uh, and actually had, it didn't really click, when they scored one of the goals at Edinburgh City, 
he wasn't really celebrating. It was it was like the I think it was the the physio. She was the most uh, she was the most uh, passionate one uh, celebrating. She she was just gently clapping, and she was the only one that, that showed really any emotion out of her and and Jim Duffy and and uh, Barry Smith. I mean, maybe knew maybe knew that, but but regardless, I'm sure he was still desperate for the button to stay up. But I, he was very uh, he, he didn't react. He didn't react at all. Oh, I've just clicked on a link from Dundee Football Club Twitter. <laughs> I'll, I'll maybe look at your phone, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Sean Byrne relegation. Good one. Ha, 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 ha. That's Sean M. <laughs> it's your comments when you said uh, that. I mean, to be fair, this was from when was it? November, tw- end of November like, uh, last year when, when Dundee were, were a bit shite. Well, that's good. That, that, I'm glad I've been called a hipster wank. Yeah, fucking shite shirt night. That must have been absolutely criminal, that. Ah, that's what he, he thinks that, that you must be taking part in shite shirt night. That's all right. Okay, well, that, well that's cool. And I've just, I've, I've just, uh, I've just complimented them on this podcast. Ah, <laughs> right, Sean, if you, I'm going to say, Sean, if you listen, I need to tweet him to tell him <laughs> listen, to listen to this podcast. Uh, we're doing well. Uh, what about um, then, Sean? Just while well, you're on a tear, what about uh, John Hughes leaving Ross County? I suppose that's one for. For, for, for you both, Joe, you would have, have seen plenty of uh, Ross County this season. Uh, I mean, there's talk as well that John Hughes might be going back to spiritual home of Falkirk. I I, uh, I I don't think he'll go back to Falkirk. I think, but I do think he, I, 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 I don't think he would have left Ross County if he didn't have another job to go to. I, uh, I I think he'll end up at Dungeon United. I, I don't know if, if Mellon leaving and Hughes leaving is... And entirely coincidental. I would imagine there may be something that will happen there. With uh, with Hughes, not really sure. I don't have an inkling of where he'll go next. But I, I actually wasn't surprised that he left County. I think he was there to do a job, did that job. I watching him. I wasn't really impressed with, with, with County because he always John Hughes often talks a good game. And watching County, I didn't think they, they, there was any good game there. It, it seemed like, it didn't seem to me he knew his best 11 or best style for the team. And it was, it was at times I just felt it was a bit disjointed. But then again, he, he, he managed to squeeze them ahead of a shit Aggies team and a shit Kelly team. So I suppose he, he did a good job. And it probably, in a way, I think it, Repairs some of the damage done at Rafe Rovers, uh, puts them in a better light. Yeah. Just, just, just see some of the um, how, how if you talk yourself up enough, happens with a couple of managers and that you, you play good football, it, it kind of sticks. And I think that's kind of the, the, there's obviously certain and in, in, in certain areas, John Hughes will always get a good rap. I think he's well liked by. Um, by an, an, a number of pundits, number of ex-players, uh, managers, they will always be talked up, and I think this is uh, this is being a big boost to his reputation after the Rafe debacle. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. I think if you were to look at his record in Scotland overall, the only one you can I know he does is it Hartlepool that they managed down in down in England. Yeah, yeah. Other, other than like Hartlepool and Rafe Rovers, they're the only two spells of his career that you can be like that didn't work out. Where all the other ones, at the very least, have been like there's been some degree of success in there. So yeah, I think that that's actually a very good point. Yeah, he's, he's uh, well done, Ross County. You have laundered John Hughes's reputation. <laughs> now he's uh, now he's he's back in the good books. But then, if you, you mentioned there about uh, Joe Mickey, 
Mickey Mellon leaving Dundee United. Why you think Mellon had been linked? Was it Doncaster Rovers that he'd been linked with, with mm-hmm. them for a while? So how do you think uh, Mellon will be remembered for, for his season uh, at um, Tannadice? He won't be. <laughs> yeah, like it was very, very unspectacular. It was uh, it was hard to watch. I really, when he first came in, I actually quite enjoyed watching United. So I thought these they set up really well, and it was more and when I say enjoyed watching United, more out of a uh, kind of boring tactical aspect than some a team that are really exciting to watch. But then after after six weeks, it kind of grew old, and they just they kind of stagnated really early. Um, I just didn't think they were a, a great team to tune in to watch. And again, I think he's probably another one like uh, Hughes done a pretty good job. Yes, well, in, in, in kind of what United wanted to consolidate in the Premiership, well, like that. Yeah, top flight. And I don't, I, I don't speak on behalf. Of, I'm not really sure what the United fans' uh, thoughts are on him leaving, but I would imagine they would be like, uh, "Thanks, but okay, let's let's see what let's see what uh, comes next." I don't think they'd be distraught at the news. How do you think John Hughes would fit in at Tannadice? <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> um, I suppose that's, we'll find out. I don't, know, I don't know if those noises were positive. Like they were just, just you kind of smacking your lips. I don't know I, if I, not, positive I, 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 noises I, or negative noises. I don't really don't know what to uh, kind of what to think of Hughes because I think if he, I think if he gets a, a, a squad to kind of buy into not just his ideas but his personality, mm-hmm. I think they can. His type of manager could actually take a team uh, quite a quite a distance. But I do think that the in the in the change room if the type of personality is, I think he might be hard to like by some people and uh, just. I think he does. He, he will clash with uh, will clash with players. So I think he's always a tricky one. Yeah, I think he's a sort. He always comes across sort of manager. He's like brilliant if you're in his good books, but if you, yeah. if, you don't, if you if you find if you don't like that sort of personality, and then let's be honest, there's people people I mean, if you don't like that personality, I think you would find it very very difficult to to watch. So yeah, I think it's, it's so there's sort of two ways with that, and and if if you if you do go with him, brilliant, and and like you say, I think like Falkirk did that. Cali Thistle seemed to seemed to buy into that. Obviously, didn't necessarily work at, at the Rovers. But aye, interesting, interesting times ahead, and and I just want to put on the record any any dislike. I don't dislike towards John Hughes. I just didn't like him because of his time at Wraith Rovers. Not do his accent. Why that would be an issue, uh, but the so we finish up with the Kelty Hearts news, which is this came out of nowhere really. That Barry Ferguson stepped down. Looks like he's going to take over the job at Aloha Athletic. Uh, Surprising, given how their, their success yesterday leading Kelty Hearts into the the SPFL at the expense of Brecon City. Uh, Sean, did, did you have any inkling this would happen? Sorry, Joe, I've no. taken over presenting duties here. No, on you go, on you go. No, no, absolutely amazed at this. Uh, t- to the point where it's, it's difficult to think that there's not something else behind it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, mind you, you're, you're Barry Ferguson. You have you've you've got a very a highly talented Kelty squad there who who look like they would, as long as you keep them on an even keel and you keep everybody happy and you, you keep them playing reasonably in the same way, then they would almost certainly be the favourites for the League 2 title next season. That would be another promotion in your CV. Why you would bin that off uh, to go and be the manager of Alawa? Now, don't get me wrong, 
Alawa will be amongst the the favourites for for League One next season, but League One will be a will be a very difficult league. Mm-hmm. Why Barry Ferguson thought that would be uh, more appealing than than having a, a decent run at winning League Two, I. I, I find it surprising and I, I find it confusing and it's I out of all the managerial uh, changes today uh, that is the one that, that caught me most unawares did not see that coming at all Joel is the money tap being turned off? Uh, I don't think so I think that uh, getting up this season was was massive for Kelly Hearts and I do think that they will see an opportunity to do uh, back-to-back promotions to really, uh, really kick on and push themselves up the kind of uh, up the SPFL, SPFL pyramid, but I would imagine that if they hadn't, if Beacon had come back and kept them in the lower league, that the, those investors might be thinking, mm, time to yeah. time to invest elsewhere. No, I can, can completely understand that why that would be the case, and I do agree, Sean, with with your point that you've got a really great opportunity to win to win the league because you look on paper, certainly there's still a long way to go in terms of squad building, but that that, that group of players that that started the match against Brecon on I know they, they they didn't play necessarily well, and that could be for for a number of reasons, but on paper that's that's a team that, that is more than good enough to hang in league two and certainly compete at the top end, and. There must be more to it than than, than simply. There must be more to it. That's I, I, I'm I'm putting my skeptical hat on here and thinking there must be something something to it. Why would you want to walk away when you've got a great chance to to take the club on to the next level? I mean, he goes, he leaves Kelty Hearts with his reputation 100 intact. I mean, there's two league titles. Yes, you could say that, albeit one was via points per game basis. Uh, but two league titles took them into the SPFL, and again, you can say that that. He spent a lot of money on players. He's got good players there. I mean, these were all quality SPFL players that, that were at the club. And if he goes to Aloha, you'd imagine he'd want to take some of them with him. I think, Sean, just before we got going, I said the three that he'd take were Dylan Easton. That'll be If he go, does go, that'll be the third time he signed him. You know, he, he basically effectively built his, his Clyde team around him. Uh, Thomas Riley, who would slot into that midfield impeccably, and of course Nathan Austin up front, who showed very briefly in his, his return to East Five, only played three games with him, but that he's not missed a beat. You know, he could could come back in and play SPFL football, absolutely no bother, even uh, like uh, in football in in League One. So, aye, strange move. However, if Kelty, the, there is still the opportunity there to, to to reinvest in the squad, and they do still have a, a sort of like relatively large budget. You would imagine that be an attractive job for for well anyone who fancies themselves being a part time manager. Yes, and I I I wish Ray McKinnon well, and he's uh, when he eventually accepts the 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 guilty hush job. <laughs> it's not a bad show that. I well, he's, he's you know he's he's, he's done well at part time football previously with uh, Brecon City, but he's been full time football since then. Ah, he's been in full-time football since, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what, what he wanted to do. But you could do a lot worse in terms of someone that, that's, that's that good at spending a lot of money. <laughs> He'd be all right. I bet I say we'd leave it there. Yeah, there's none else. Well, let's say we want to finish up by wishing Raymond McKinnon very well uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and Kelty and hope he enjoys his new conservatory. 
And I'll uh, I'll need to put my phone on charge as it's gone daft. <laughs> yeah. uh, I see Alex Yakubiak, who played a vital role in Dundee's Premiership successes, yep. uh, yep. has dug you out as well. Yep, he's giving me a tick. No, that's fine. That's cool. <laughs> so, how do you do it? Sean McWayne, thank you very much. No, thank you, Joel. Craig Telfer, thank you very much. No, thank you, Joel. Xander Clark, Sean Rooney, Jason Kerr, Liam Gordon, Jamie McCart, Callum Booth, <laughs> Alan McCann, Craig Bryson, Chris Kane, Glenn Middleton, James Brown, Michael Hallen, Murray Davidson, David Wotherspoon, Callum Davidson, Alec Cleland, Stephen McLean, the boy that sat on the hay bill in Sky Sports. Thank you very, very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.